Hi. That's it. Hi. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, hello. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hello and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I've got my co-host, Darcy, with me on this bright and early Sunday morning. How you doing, Dars? <laughs> It is early. I'm going to go right back to bed as soon as we finish doing this. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I do not have time to do that. I did go yeah. out last night and... I did too, man. Had a couple drinks? I I didn't go out, out. I was at my friend's house, um, and but we were there till... <laughs> we were there till like... The wee hours of the morning? Yes, like because we were watching. So I know you don't probably don't watch this, but Ted Lasso um, oh, on no. Apple TV. Oh my God, it's such a good, good show. One. So we were watching... Ted Lasso, and then we watched Scream. One of my friends had never seen Scream before. So then, of course, she had to watch it. <laughs> obviously. And, this, like, you know, that's my favorite movie. So, like, for me to be able to sit there and watch somebody watching it for the first time, it was, like, the best night of my life. And then after that, we watched Romeo and Juliet, like the Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio one. Oh, wow. We really got a 90s role. It was, it was a mess. to be but real it was really drunk fun. to watch all of that in one night. It was, I'm not going to lie to you, it was a lot. I probably could have just done the one movie, but... What were you drinking? Uh, White Claws. Oh, God. You have to drink like... like Claws? You have to drink like 13 of those to get drunk. (laughs) But I wasn't wanting to get drunk. Because like we were hanging out, we were like, we like cooked out and all that stuff. So I wasn't wanting to get drunk. I was just wanting to drink something light and like, and it was hot as a mofo too. Yeah. Um, so. It cooled down last night, thank goodness, because yeah. the day was pretty warm, but in the evening it just was such a nice temperature. We went and had wood-fired pizza, Ooh, and I had a Rockford peach good. bellini, which was Ooh. so tasty. A league of their own. Yeah, it was really nice, and then we ended up going to like three or four other bars and drinking. I got hooked on this new kind of rum. It's called Hard Truth, and it's toasted coconut-flavored rum. And you can drink it. Interesting. You can drink it straight. You can put it with soda water. Like, it was freaking amazing. And, of course, I had, like, six of them (laughs) over, like, a six-hour period. And, wow, those were good. Yeah, see, I wasn't going for that. I was just going for, like, an enjoyable It really is kind of like anything, like, It has the same strength as Malibu, so it's not like it's super strong or anything like that. Malibu is too sweet for me. Like, that was, like, the first thing I drank when I started drinking. I was like, I need to have Malibu. And now it's, like, way too sweet. Yeah, well, I didn't want to get hammered, so I was drinking. But I ended up getting hammered anyway, just because it is what it is, you know, after you've been drinking for a long period of time. Yeah. And I was like, we're not going to stay out late. We're not going to stay out late because I have to get up and record tomorrow morning. And he was like, yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, we we left the bar at, like, midnight, but we started at, like, 6 or 7. Yeah. That's a long time. That is a long time. But, you know, we've been doing so many things, tasks, chores, different things around the house that it's just, like, we needed to get out. Treat yourself. And his kids are coming into town next week. And so we've been just doing a lot of last minute mm. cleaning and getting everything organized. Plus we had that big storm that came through last week mm-hmm. and knocked down a bunch of tree branches and crap in our yard. So we had to clean that up mm. and thank goodness. Cause we have, uh, we have one, two, three, four, five houses here now in Whoa. Rockford. Um, and we had a lot of storm damage, but luckily all of the trees that got hit or that lost branches, nothing hit any of the houses. Gosh, knock wow. on wood. Such a blessing because yeah. 
you never know, like with hail and with yeah. storms and thunder and lightning, a lot of damage happens in this mm-hmm. area of the country. And we just got lucky that yeah. none of these, because some really big branches came down. Yeah, that's amazing that you didn't have any like structural damage or anything no, like that. No, it didn't hit any power lines yeah. or anything like that. It just dropped down and thank God, because we have a lot of trees mm-hmm. too, a lot. So luckily that um, ended up okay. Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm noticing this big bubbling in the corner of my room now. Bubbling? Yeah. Like, what? the paint is bubbling. Yeah, and I'm noticing it in another area, too. Oh, no. Because um, we've, in the past, had some water damage and yeah. holes and leaks and things like that up here. And since we've had a ton of rain this summer, I think maybe, yikes, Uh-oh. that might be a thing. Ugh, that's not good. All right, well, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's that's right. a problem for future, Sarah. Yeah, so let's talk about Shayna Hubers. Okay. So Shayna, and I don't know if you know who this gal is, but I'm sure that once I start telling this story, you will know who this girl is. Okay. But her name is Shayna Michelle Hubers, and she was born April 8th, which is my mom's birthday, 1991, oh. in Lexington, Kentucky. Been there. So she's a Kentucky girl. That's where the University of Kentucky is. Yeah, she's got that accent Mm -hmm. and, you know, that Southern girl vibe. I think by all accounts, she had a very ordinary childhood. Nothing kind of stood out. She was friendly. She was popular. She's a pretty girl. Like, if you look up pictures of her, like, Mm -hmm. she looks like just your average pretty little Southern belle. Like, nothing stands out. Just like me. That's what everybody says about me. Exactly, right? (laughs) No, it's not what anybody says about me. Um... Uh, and then in contrast, Ryan Carter Poston was born December 30th, 1982. So he is a little okay. bit older than her. Yeah. Um, and he was born in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. So they're both Kentucky, born and, born and bred. Okay. Um, his parents were Lisa Carter and Jay Poston. Um, he had three younger sisters, Allison, Catherine, and Elizabeth. He went initially to the Bust Sacrament School in Fort Mitchell, which is where he was born. And then he went to the International School in Manila in the Philippines. So he did a little bit of traveling. Oh. He was quite the international man of mystery, so to speak. And then he went to the International School of Geneva in Switzerland during high school. So like, Whoa. he really was a very ambitious, overachieving young man. He later went on to Indiana University. He triple majored. Get that. I mean, I double majored, but like a triple major. He did history, geography, and political science. Geography. Like who majors in geography? (laughs) Somebody that's gone to school in Manila and Geneva, man. It seems so random to major in that. Political science, I get. History, I get. um, Because he wanted to go on to a legal career. So like, I get those two things. They seem like they kind of go hand in hand, but the geography just seems a little strange. But Anyway, maybe like that was his actual interest, and he's like, "Yeah, I might as well do this while I can, because like you can't do anything with a geography degree after." <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, what do you do with the geography? Teach? Um, or like, like maps, surveying, something mm, like that. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's a thing. Write us, write us if you know what you do with a geography degree. Right. Um, he then went on to law school at the Sa- the Salmon P. Chase College of Law and Northern Kentucky University in Highland Heights. Okay. So he completed a Juris Doctor degree there, which is your law degree, basically. Mm -hmm. It's funny, they used to call it a Juris Doctorate, and now they just 
shorten it to Juris Doctor degree. I have oh. one, by the way, in case you didn't know. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and You're then, the doctor on this show. Yeah, and then Ryan <clears throat> went on to start working as an attorney in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, I just looked it up, and Fort Mitchell is, like, right outside of Cincinnati. So that was kind yeah. of, like, going back home. Exactly. Okay, so he's working as an... He's working as an attorney. He's kicking butt. He's a very attractive guy as well. So, like, he seems like he has a lot going for him. He's had, you know, that international travel Mm -hmm. in his past. And he just seems like he was a very nice, genuine, popular guy um, and an attorney. So he's smart. So Mm -hmm. he was 28 years old in 2011 when he met Shana. And he met her on Facebook. And she's, like, 19-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that kind of weird? It is very weird. Like, nine years isn't that big of a deal when you're, like, later. Like, yeah. 20s and 30s. But, like, 28 to 19 is very... Like, I wouldn't want to hang out with somebody nine years younger than me at 28. No, and she was in college. Yeah. She was a psychology student at the University of Kentucky in Lexington. Okay. So this is about 80 miles from yeah. where he went to law school. 80 miles from Highland Heights. So... Evidently, she was friends with his step-cousin. Okay. And I guess they started dating, like, after they... I didn't... Do you know anyone who met and started dating from Facebook? That just sounds like such a weird way to meet um, and date, like, a random person. I don't, but, like, what year was this? 2011. 2011. I bet it probably did happen a, a good bit. I haven't been on Facebook since 2011, so I don't really know, but, like... I know people that have met through Twitter and dated. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, I think I knew of someone a long time ago that met. I, I know that, yeah. you know, I get people message me all the time, like guys, like. Really? Trying to like, hey, how's it going? What are you up to? You know, that kind of a thing. Trying to Living like. Living with my boyfriend. Make, yeah, <laughs> trying to make that jump into yeah. like sliding into your dms kind of a thing i get it on instagram too even though like i post pictures with mike all the time with mike yeah yeah yeah. my friend gets people that slide into her dms all the time i don't i don't have that because people do not find my personality attractive on the internet um i can see that you definitely have a very (laughs) strong-willed personality that i think could be intimidating to some people I mean, which is fine with me. And, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I think it could be intimidating to people that yeah. maybe aren't as strong as you. I'm the same way. Yeah. But I, I don't. Don't bring that wheat crap over here. I don't usually post it. <laughs> but I'm also <laughs> strong-willed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so these two are dating. They have a very tumultuous relationship by all accounts. During this period of time that they dated for about 18 months, They had all these arguments and broke up and got back together. And in the meantime, she graduates cum laude with um, her degree and starts pursuing a master's degree in school counseling. What did she study? Um, She was a psychology student, and then she was trying Uh to get a master's in school counseling. Gotcha. Okay. So she's working with kids, Mm -hmm. um, which is terrifying. (laughs) So on the night of this particular event, they had broken up. And evidently, he had gone to spend some time with his family, okay. um, his dad, and had mentioned that he was done with Shayna. Okay. Um, he was actually talking to Miss Ohio USA 2012, Audrey Bolt. 
Okay. And he was going to go on a date with her. And he was super excited. But I'm assuming she's more age appropriate for him. Um, possibly. Yeah. I think it was an interesting kind of a thing that went on with them. There were many incidences where, you know, friends and family report that she would go to his house and not leave. So he's like, he's trying to be nice, Mm -hmm. but she's just not letting him break up with her, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And she would literally text him thousands of times, thousands, text and call him nonstop. So she was like Mm -hmm. blowing up his phone. Yeah. And he was trying to be like kind of understanding. He was like, you know, I know you're going through a hard time. We're going to get through this. You're going to be fine. You're going to move on. You're going to have a great life. And... They kind of had that going on. And then they would argue about certain things. But on October um, 12th, 2012, Hubers calls 911. And she says that she killed Ryan in his Highland Heights condominium. She shot him six times. Holy cow. And one of the times in the face. And she kept saying it was in self-defense. No, six times is a lot. Yeah, and you can actually listen to her, like, police questioning and her 911 call, and a, quite a bit of this case is actually recorded, um, and you can find it online. But number one, she says that he always wanted a nose job and that she, you know, helped him along with that. What? Shooting him in the face. Just what? bonkers, right? She's, like, kind of implying that he was vain and... He had always wanted a nose job because he was so vain and she did him a favor. Who says that? Yeah. Um, And then part of the second part of it was evidently there were some jailhouse snitches that she reportedly told that she was too smart to get to claim this insanity defense. And she was going to claim the self-defense, the battered wife, battered girlfriend Mm -hmm. syndrome, syndrome instead. And she just kind of was boasting and bragging in when she was being held Um, before her trial, that she was just this incredibly intelligent person and she was too smart to get trapped and go to jail for murder. Something uh, every 20-year-old feels like. Yeah. Well, she alleged that her relationship with Ryan had been abusive. And that was kind of like she was laying the groundwork for claiming that self-defense at her trial. Mm -hmm. And although she was read her Miranda rights, she voluntarily, she spoke to the police voluntarily. Not so smart now. Hmm. Well, I think she just thought she was so bright that... Get, yeah, it was smarter than they were. She could talk her way out of it. And uh-huh. that, I think, often happens with a lot of criminals that come through. They just think, yep. oh, well, I'm good enough to get through this and to explain it away. And FFR, you're not. No. <laughs> Um, she made some super inappropriate statements. At one point she was singing when she was like being questioned. Like they took a little break to do something and left the room and the the thing was recording and she's like singing Amazing Grace kind of. It has a very like Jodi Arias kind of a <gasps> That's vibe what I was to trying it. to think of. Yes. And she, yeah, Jodi Arias was the one that was like doing handstands and stuff, right? Too. Yeah. Yeah. And she was basically doing a very similar kind of thing. And then she kind of mumbles Quote, I don't know if anyone will ever want to marry me if they they know that I killed a boyfriend in self-defense, unquote. I don't feel like that's your biggest concern at this moment. Just wild. She's pacing, she's dancing, she's singing. Excuse me, just wild. And then she says aloud at one point, 
quote, I did it. Yes, I did it. I can't believe I did that. And I'm so good at acting. So clearly this young woman has got some pretty significant issues. Mm-hmm. So she claims that they, you know, had gotten into this argument during the night and that he, that night that she murdered him and he had thrown her against this bookshelf inside of his apartment. But when police are looking at this crime scene, there's nothing disturbed. Like there's no signs of any kind of altercation within that, within mm-hmm. Ryan's apartment. So it's pretty clear that she, you know, from the angle of the gunshots, from the fact that there's nothing disturbed at the crime scene, that this is not a case of self-defense. This is not mm-hmm. her trying to get away from him and having to shoot him to save herself. Mm-hmm. So she was arrested and held on a $5 million bond, which Ooh. that's a pretty big bond for yeah. just a regular, you know, a student from Kentucky. Yeah. She was indicted December 20th, 2020, excuse me. She was indicted December 20th, 2012 for that murder, which, you know, okay. I'm sure the, the police and the district attorney were ready to go. Yeah. She pleads not guilty. I'm sure. I'm, I'm assuming it was first degree. Yeah. Yeah. Two and a half years after this whole thing went down, her trial begins. Mm-hmm. April 13th, 2015. She's, a, she's been in the Campbell County Jail since all of this. Because she can't meet that bail, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a freaking yeah. huge-ass bail. Yeah. Um, so prosecutors <laughs> basically say she killed him because he wanted to end the relationship. Like, yeah. And she couldn't handle that, which is like, if I can't have you, no one can. Right. Sort of a thing, right? But her attorneys are contending that the shooting was in self-defense and that she had been a victim of domestic abuse, even though no indications, no police report, no hospital, no pictures, no nothing of any abuse by this man. So she's just, it's kind of gross. And it's like the, the whole tactic of creating a smear campaign about the victim prior Mm -hmm. to the trial. And I think it's extremely common. They want to try to pick apart the victim if they can in all instances, Mm -hmm. because it's going to create a situation where the jury will be, it'll be more favorable for that person, the the perpetrator with the jury. And her attorneys did a really good job of that. They sort of try to paint her as this domestic abuse victim. Yeah. And that really sucks because just like in in many cases, just because there's not like police reports, medical records and stuff like that, that doesn't mean an actual like relationship isn't actually violent or yeah. abusive. And that really sucks that they're doing this because it takes away the credence of yeah. actual domestic abuse victims. It does. It's And it's, I mean, in all kind of fairness, we don't know if he ever abused her. Because it's basically her word against his, and he's no longer here. Yeah. He could have. But I think it's highly unlikely. It, Yeah, like, her statements after the fact don't seem like... Like, I would imagine, and I have no idea, but I would imagine, like, that would be a pretty traumatic thing if you had to kill somebody in self-defense and then to go and be like, well, he always wanted a nose job. So. Yeah. I think like, you would probably be a little bit more traumatized. If yeah. That was. And granted, I can't emphasize this enough. Everybody reacts different in violent situations, right. in interactions like this. No two people are exactly the same. Yes. So it's no longer possible for us to say, well, this is the sort of behavior that you should be exhibiting after this sort of a thing. 
because yeah. everybody reacts differently. Yeah. So she could have been reacting differently, but I just feel like her reactions, her singing, her dancing, the way she was in the police interrogation, that sort of thing, it just was very, very, it did not jive with having just been through this traumatic uh, domestic abuse sort of a situation. Right. It just didn't. Right. As well as her singing Amazing Grace and whatnot. <laughs> so the prosecution, the prosecution brings up all those text messages. They bring all that as evidence. So in, to try to demonstrate how obsessed this woman is with Ryan, right? Because mm-hmm. there are literally thousands and thousands. And of course, they can pull up all of those. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've all been in that kind of a situation where you've texted a few more times than you probably should, right? We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get into the point where it's an 18-month period and you've got thousands and thousands and thousands and you're just not letting go, it yeah. is demonstrative of something that is a little bit more of a bigger problem than just a couple of frequent texts. Because most of us, you know, mm-hmm. after a few weeks of that, get over it and move on. But clearly she yeah. wasn't doing that. Um, or at least stop texting if we don't, we haven't gotten over Yeah, it. <laughs> but she was like going to his place and then like refusing to leave. Yeah. She also, when he tried to break up with her at one point, she went to the, she claimed that she had a heart problem. And that she had had been rushed to the hospital and he should feel so sorry for her because she's going to be on this medication now when clearly she made all that up because there's no in no records mm. whatsoever of her having gone to a hospital anywhere. Right. But that was one of the yeah. tactics she used to try to keep him in her yeah. corner, keep him as her boyfriend. Feel bad for me. Feel sorry for me. And that way you won't break up with me. which was her tactic. I don't know. She's a psychology student. So maybe she was kind of trying to pull in psychological methods to try to convince this man to stay with her, which is just freaking bonkers. I feel like that's less so and more about like the coming up with the battered woman syndrome defense is probably more like the psychology classes. I just don't get it. She's such a cute girl. It's like, move on. You're educated. Get somebody else. Like, there's plenty of men in the world. You don't need to be obsessed with this guy. If he, especially yeah. if he doesn't want you. Never in yeah. the history of the world is there a case where forcing someone to love you actually works. <laughs> so yeah. Just and, and, go yeah. ahead and let that go. No, I'm going to be the one to change that. Seriously. Um, a lot of witnesses came on the stand for this one, including Miss, uh, Miss Ohio, Ohio, USA. And then Huber's former cellmate, again, she testified for the prosecution because she testified that Shana had come in and had pretty much told her she was going to claim self-defense, that she knew she did it, and she had contemplated the insanity plea and knew that she was too smart for that and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So they kind of pretty much have her. <laughs> She's like tied herself up in a pretty good knot with all the crap yeah. that she did. I think she might have been able to get away with it had she not made those statements to her cellmate, had she not well, acted you know. so crazy, had she not been singing and dancing around and doing all kinds of bonkers stuff. If she had just played it cool and like acted sad, then she probably could have gotten away with it. Well, for being so smart, she sure did do a lot of really dumb things. Like, don't confess to your jail you know your cellmate yeah just bonkers it's a pretty good piece of advice so the cousin that ryan um met this young woman through testified mm-hmm. that 
Ryan had been trying to avoid conflict with her, which, again, I mentioned Mm -hmm. that earlier. And she read the text messages she had exchanged with her cousin prior to his death. His stepfather also testified that he had confided that he was trying to break up with Hubers and didn't want to tell her about the date with Miss Ohio because he was afraid she was Mm -hmm. going to go ballistic. Mm -hmm. Um, It's my understanding that there's some evidence that she had hacked his email or hacked his Facebook and had knew about this incident. And that's kind of what set her off. Yikes. Um, I don't know that there is necessarily any concrete evidence on that, but that is something that I had heard about. Yeah. So on the night of this murder, evidently Miss USA was, or Miss Ohio was supposed to meet Ryan for drinks later that night. And he never showed up. They were supposed to meet for drinks at 930. And that's what she testified to, which I just don't, I don't understand what her testimony could be. Um, Jermaine too. I, f- I failed to see any purpose in having Miss Ohio testify. Yeah. Um, the cellmate testified that Hubers bragged about killing her boyfriend and said she laughed about shooting him in the face and giving him the nose job he'd always wanted. So she's, I don't know whether she was nervous or whether she was trying to be that kid that goes into the prison yard and punches the biggest kid in the face kind of thing to impress people and get yeah. You know, street cred. I don't know if that's what she was doing, but that's what she did. Um, she also said that this cellmate, that is, said that Shayna discussed legal strategy, saying she was going to plead insanity, but she was too smart because she had the IQ of Einstein. Yeah, okay. So she instead decided with the battered wife syndrome defense, which uh-huh. I mentioned earlier. Um, she did not take the stand in her trial. That was the first smart right? thing she's done. Only. And she relied on her police interrogation tape for the whole self-defense thing. She just kept Mm -hmm. repeating, it was self-defense, it was self-defense. Maybe if I say it enough times, they'll believe me. Um, April 23rd, 2015, after five hours of jury deliberation, they find her guilty. Surprise, surprise, right? Right. But the jury recommends a 40-year prison sentence with the possibility of parole after a certain amount of time, right? Wow. So she gets 40 years for this. But she does get parole. So I think that's interesting. It wasn't the sort of a first-degree murder case where you don't get parole. I think mm-hmm. because of the whole self-defense element to it. Um, but her attorneys argued for a new trial. They claimed they were not allowed to present evidence and witnesses that would have shown that she killed him in self-defense, which is interesting. Mm. They also asked the judge to recognize her as a victim of domestic violence, which would reduce the amount of time she'd be required to serve before her parole eligibility Mm -hmm. which just makes me i'm rolling my eyes on the other side just seems so irritating that she could claim that when there are so many women out there that actually really have significant issues related to domestic violence but under the state laws in kentucky she would be required to serve 85 percent of her sentence or 20 years of her term whichever was less before becoming eligible for that parole Okay. Um, But if she got this special kind of domestic violence thing, she'd only have to serve 20% of her sentence before she could be released. So I guess in that particular state, domestic violence kind of kicks it into reverse. So you have to serve much less of your sentence before you're eligible for parole release. Hmm. So about four months after she was convicted, she was sentenced to that 40 years in prison with eligibility for parole after 20 years. The presiding judge 
um, said he didn't believe she was a victim of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And he said he actually considered a sentence of greater than 40 years, which I probably would have too. Yeah. But she appeals, you know, as you knew she would. Right. And her appeal was granted August 25th, 2016. On what grounds? This overturned her conviction on the basis that one of the jurors withheld a felony conviction, which is uh, a big no-no. You cannot serve on a jury if you have a felony conviction. And they found out one of that. You'd think they would check into that before the trial started, right? Or at least somebody would be, like, on their toes looking for stuff like that. So it's literally, like, nothing that had to do with anything about her no. case, her trial, no. nothing. It's just a jury. Uh, she got a new trial. And it started September 18th, 2017. And, 2017. and you better believe they went through that first trial with a fine-tooth comb and were like, yeah. anything that we think could be um, damaging to our client, we're going to get rid of. <laughs> we're going to yeah. just fire into the things put all of our strength behind the things that were successful the first time around and try different different defenses that might be a little yeah. bit more successful than the first time around. Interesting, right? So her new trial was set for September 18th, 2017, but it got delayed. There was a six-month delay allowing her new attorney, because mm. he was out of state, um, allowing him time to prepare for her okay. retrial. So her second... Um, trial actually was set to begin August 8, 2018. So yeah, it had quite a bit of delays. Mm -hmm. So from September 18, 2017, all the way to August 8, 2018. So that's like a year yeah. of delays. So th the first delay I'm not really sure on, but the second delay was for her new attorney yeah. to prepare for her case. And the second trial, she gives it all up. Like she gets really graphic with her relationship with Ryan. But essentially they're really really pushing into this self-defense mm -hmm. and about how abusive Ryan mm -hmm. was. But it doesn't work. The jury deliberates for about five hours and they find her guilty of murder again. She is sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole. She has to serve 20 years before she can be considered for parole. And her first parole hearing will be 2032. Wow. And she's incarcerated at the Kentucky Correctional Institute for Women. Her case has actually been covered on quite a few podcasts. It's been on ABC's 2020. It's been on 48 Hours. It's been on Oxygen Snapped. And It Takes a Killer. Like, a lot of shows have covered this because she seems like such a normal girl that just snapped. Yeah. <laughs> like, lost it and shot her boyfriend. And I realize it's not funny, but it's like, what would cause somebody to snap like that when they seem like, she's a psychology student, mm -hmm. she's obviously intelligent and well-spoken, what would cause her to completely lose her marbles like that? Yeah. And I'm not talking just about shooting her boyfriend in the face. I'm talking about thousands yeah. of text messages and her obsessive behavior and breaking up with this man and refusing to allow him to break up with her just seems beyond, right? Yeah, and like, the, the thing about parole with this is interesting because I have no reason to believe she couldn't do this again. Like, I don't know that you can chalk this up to just, like, youth and hormones and brain chemistry of being, like, She'll be, young. like, 40 when she gets out, yeah. too, if she gets released after 20 years. She, 
I don't necessarily know that she would age out at that point of crime either. Yeah. Because there's this pervasive theory that, you know, you put somebody away, presumably until they age out of their criminal instincts or criminal mm-hmm. behavior, and then when you release them, they're aged out of it, so they won't have the inclination to commit the crimes anymore. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not certain that, that that will be the case with her. Like, she, and obviously it's not like she's gonna form healthy relationships while in prison so it's she has she's not if she gets out in 20 years she's not going to have a template for like the next relationship speaking of healthy relationships in prison (laughs) she actually ended up um marrying someone that she met in the correctional institute yeah this person named unique taylor okay she married this person in 2018 and then they got divorced in 2019 I think this unique Taylor ended up getting transferred to a different uh, prison and their relationship kind of got yeah. severed at that point. But interesting. That was interesting. Um, it's This person is listed as Richard McBee, alias Unique Taylor. So I'm not sure if that's somebody who is a LGBTQ, okay. like going through a, a sex transition. Uh-huh. Very, very interesting. Um, she definitely has a... You look at her and you just... Is there some serious mental illness there? What is her mental health diagnosis? Like, I mean, it's wild. Yeah, it, there's some something pretty significant going on with her that she probably needs treatment for, which, you know, we don't provide that in prison because, of course, we don't. But Yeah, but sometimes they require them to have mental health counseling. Sometimes they make that requirement not, as part yeah, of the Yeah, but, but that's not, like, just a standard care like you know what i mean like that's they don't do it for everybody so unless that was specific to her sentence then she's not going to get that so i I don't know i mean this that's just i don't know like just because i just can't believe she's gonna get parole in like 10 years yeah and i mean like we always say just because she's getting a parole hearing doesn't mean she's gonna get out but like still that should be interesting to hear the follow-up on that when it happens because in order, for, in order for the parole board to grant parole for someone, there has to be, like, a significant mm-hmm. kind of path from their conviction to their release. Mm-hmm. And part of that usually includes, you know, taking responsibility, apologizing, showing remorse. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I think she did feel sorry about it, but she, she's like, you know, I did it, you know, I'm claiming it, but it was because I was abused. Yeah, like it'll be interesting to see what happens at that parole hearing if she still holds to that story or if she takes some ownership of her actions and what she did. If she, it, maybe she will have matured to be like. I mean, I hope she does take responsibility for her yeah. actions. It's not like they can convict her again. Just own it. Yeah. It's not like, you know, she's already been tried. Yeah. You can't, it's double jeopardy. They can't try her for the murder again. So right. just admit it, own it. It's not like she's going to get a, a, an appeal and they're going to overturn this verdict. Right. Maybe that's what she thinks, is that it's going to get overturned. At some some appeal that she's got going will get yeah. overturned. Well, and also we'll she genuinely just may not be capable of admitting guilt, too. Like, you know, we just, we just don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens at her actual parole hearing to see how she's progressed or not. I mean... Well, and then, too, maybe she is one of those people that is so twisted in her brain that she actually has convinced herself that she did right. do it in that's self-defense. Kinda, yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering. There are people out there that are like yeah. that. 
Um, and then she definitely has a really narcissistic yeah. portion of her brain. Oh, yeah. To say that she has an IQ of Einstein. Like, I wonder if that's a real thing or if she just made that up. Like, has she had her IQ tested? Well, also, I, IQ is like, it's not, I mean. Maybe she took a test online. <laughs> have you ever done like that? A, it was like a BuzzFeed test, and it was like, you have the, yeah, the IQ like, of Einstein. And, and of course, like, no one's going to have right, a low Buzz IQ feet. on those. <laughs> I do. Oh, my God. And so now she tells everyone she has yeah. the IQ of Einstein. I don't know. She's an interesting person. Um, just the way her voice is kind of like was like nails on a chalkboard to yeah. me. And to think of her working with children just. I don't think that she will be working with children. Horrifies me. After this. <laughs> no. If she does get out, I hope they keep her in for a while, though to be honest with you, because I just see that she has such a significant risk of reoffending in some right. way, shape, or that's form. Kind of, that's my concern, too. Like, I just, I don't. It's like she's at the grocery store, and they don't like the way, you know, she they put her bread in the bag, and she goes off on, you uh, yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. I feel like, oh, and it was self-defense. Yeah. Like, she just, there's a little bit too much of that in her at this point. And I think so. She's very willing to blame other uh-huh. people for her behavior yeah. and not own any of it, not take responsibility for any of her own mm-hmm. actions in any way, shape, or form, which is quite scary. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play a couple of clips of her okay. here just so people can kind of hear, um, just so that you can kind of get a feel for how just completely out of bounds, kind of wildly inappropriate she is. So here you go. And I just picked up the gun and in the middle of him doing something with his arm or saying something crazy, shot him. And I thought, oh my God, what have I done? You know? And he was laying with his face on the table, like twitching. And so, I knew he was going to die a very slow and painful death. I knew he was already dead, you know, and within the next 20 seconds, so the next two minutes, I knew he was going to be dead. And he was in a lot of pain, he was twitching, he was moaning, but he was ultimately dead. And so I shot him, didn't have time to kill him so that he wouldn't suffer. which was a few more times. And I shot him, I think I shot him twice. Thought he was completely dead and he was laying there still twitching and making noises. And I shot him in the head. I probably should have left it there, but I knew he was gonna die. Mm -hmm. Or have a very deformed face when you were concerned. And I knew, oh no, he would have died. He was already dying. He was already, he was dying. But I just walked around the table and shot him where I knew he would die immediately. And fast. His obsession with guns killed him. You know, I would have never, I'm so Democrat, I would have never touched a gun in my life until I dated him. 
Amazing Grace thing. Let me play this other one. Get the, and then we'll talk about it, okay? Okay. part that she where she's talking to the detectives or whomever her thing is she there something happened they were in a fight and she ends up with a gun and she accidentally shoots them yeah but he's still twitching yeah so she shoots him a couple more times yeah. and then realizes he's not dead and so she shoots him again yeah and he's gonna be horribly deformed put him so she's gotta she's gotta put misery. him out of his misery like it okay it's not a bird that you found on the side of the road no it's a human person they can do medicine. Science is real. <laughs> There's things that she could have done to save his life uh, and not put him out of his misery. That's not a thing you do with humans. No. It's wild. And, and to, the, the twitching and moaning, like, it's because you shot him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's because he's still alive and requires immediate medical assistance. And then it's wild how she's like, well, I would have never touched a gun. Like, I'm a Democrat. <laughs> It's just like, what? What does that have to do with anything, first of all? And second of all, he called me a hillbilly, and I am a hillbilly. Like, that's what set her off. Like, mm. seriously? He's from Kentucky, too. What? I don't understand. Why would he He's have done from that? He's Cincinnati area. Why would he have done that, though? I mean, it just, none of it makes sense. I mean, it's entirely possible he could have called her a hillbilly because he, being from the Cincinnati area, is less from, like... Yes, he is actually specifically from Kentucky, but, like, you you would consider that, like, from the Cincinnati metro area. And she's from Lexington, which is, like, in Kentucky. Deeper so, into Kentucky. Yeah. So, like, maybe he could he did call her that. And, like, uh, but, like, you definitely don't shoot somebody six times for it. No. And then she's like, I had to put him out of his misery. Like, so I shot him five yeah. times. I shot, and then the, the part where she's like, so I shot him where I knew it was going to end I, it. Or yes. Some, that just, whew. Again, 
not an animal on the side of the road. And how does she know that if she's like, I would never have touched guns, like if it wasn't for this guy have, being obsessed with I don't with think them. you need to know too much about guns to know, like if you shoot somebody directly in the face. I don't know. It's or in the, just like in the head, they, they're probably crazy. And then to have her sit there and freaking sing Amazing Grace. Like, does she, like, she sounds like she's like, think she's a really good singer and like does she think this is going to be like released on youtube and then she's going to like get a record contract i like, mean what's happening it was probably released on youtube <laughs> i'm sure oh i'm sure it is on youtube but like but i got the chills when i heard it not because i was like oh my gosh this woman is so talented but i got yeah. the chills because it was like why are you doing this right what is the point what do you think you are going to be getting? Because everything this woman does is calculated for right. what she thinks she's going to get out of it. Yeah. And that also, like, Does she like, think the cops are going to be like, well, he, he did call her a hillbilly. I mean. I know. Or, hey, she's singing Amazing Grace. She sings so beautifully. How She couldn't possibly be a criminal. Somebody that sings like that. She couldn't possibly be a criminal. <laughs> she's got the voice of an angel. Too. Yeah. It's wild. This case is wild. And for her to think that she was going to talk her way out of it because she was so smart is probably yeah, the wildest part of it to me. Yeah. And I don't mean to laugh at it by any means because this is a very serious thing and a very serious case. But but her behavior is completely absurd. Yeah. From start to finish. I mean. In so many ways. Yeah. I just, you know, I want her to take responsibility for her actions, for her part in it. And it just really seems like she wants no part of any responsibility for her actions. Yeah. That she thinks that her actions were justified all throughout this case. And that yeah. she has done nothing wrong because she was defending herself. That's disturbing yeah. to me. I can understand, you know claiming self-defense because you genuinely do feel like you were harmed, whether it be physically mm -hmm. or mentally or whatever, but you still have to take responsibility for your actions and say, you know, what I did was wrong. Yes, I did it in self-defense, but what I did was wrong and I'm sorry mm -hmm. kind mm -hmm. of a thing. It just doesn't seem like she is doing any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get a lot of that from her, but we'll see what happens in like what? 20, 2032. Like yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe the podcast will still be around then and we can bring you all an update. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's wild. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this one up for the day? I don't. That was... Interesting, that, right? That one really had it all. <laughs> <laughs> Including a just amazing rendition of Amazing Grace. I mean, it, yeah. Okay. Um... If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, or you have some more information about this case that you want to share with us that you don't think we covered in enough detail, please feel free to shoot us an email. We're at the BFD podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. Your emails are amazing. Um, and social media, Darcy? Yeah, we are at the BFD podcast on Instagram. So you can find us there. We'll post pictures. We might see if we can post this video of her. Or singing Amazing Grace. Jeepers. Uh, and also, if you know what you do with a geology degree, call <laughs> yeah. us. Tell us all about it. I actually know somebody that has a geology degree, but then she went into the Navy, so she didn't do anything with a geology degree. Interesting. So. Yeah. Well, please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>